and this is a letter he wrote the church in Corinth. And this is really about um, following up on how the Holy Spirit works in our lives when we participate with what God is doing in our lives and in our church and in our world. So I invite you to hear God's word this morning. I'm reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, um, beginning with verse 1. And so, brothers and sisters, I cannot speak to you as spiritual people, but rather as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you are not ready for solid food. Even now, you are still not ready, for you are still of the flesh. For as long as there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving according to human inclinations? For when one says, I belong to Paul, and another, I belong to Apollos, are you not merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. The one who plants and the one who waters have a common purpose, and each will receive wages according to the labor of each. For we are God's servants working together. You are God's field, God's building. Church, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Mighty and gracious God, I ask that um, by your mercy you hide me behind your cross so that our focus is on you and not me. As your Holy Spirit works in our hearts and lives today, so when we leave this space, what we think and say and do reflects more and more of Jesus. Amen. I appreciate how music plays such a part in the Holy Spirit's work, right? I think we're here, and, and we don't always talk about the Holy Spirit as much as we are Trinitarian people. The Holy Spirit is what opens us up to transformation and change, and sometimes gets our minds that are, you know, our hard heads thinking, and I appreciate Brina's and Alan's work. Brina directs our youth and children's choir and also uh, helps lead our adult choir as well, right? So thank you for all you do, and thank you, Shelly, for our handbells. They mean so much to us um, to make worship a place where the Holy Spirit can penetrate sometimes our stubbornness. In this letter in Corinthians, Paul is writing this church that he helped to found. And then another person followed him named Apollos, who came in to teach after him. And you could hear the conflict in the text, right? There were some people who were giving allegiance to Paul and some people who were giving allegiance to Apollos. Now, on the day this was written, they didn't have big churches. They didn't have big buildings. Everything was small, and people met in house churches. So apparently there was one house church over here, you know, where these 12 people would gather, and they were kind of believing Apollos was really the one who, was, who had the right message, right? And they were following Apollos. And over here, you had a group who was kind of following Paul, and they thought Paul had the right message. 
And they were missing the point that Apollos and Paul were trying not to point to themselves, but point to God. They're always trying to point people to God and God's work of the Holy Spirit. In my career years ago, when I worked uh, for a national company, I was part of a matrix organization. I was part of a company that was so big, every year or every 18 months, they did a reorganization. I'm sure you've never had that happen in your life, have you, right? <laughs> when you're getting used to things, there's a reorg chart, right? And this reorganization happened, and we went from my boss was in my office to I had a matrix boss. I had two bosses. I had a boss in Chicago named Ed, who was in charge of my operations, and I had a boss in New York City named Neil, who was in charge of business development. So I had two different bosses in this matrix. And I kept wondering, am I loyal to Ed over here and what Ed says? Or am I loyal to Neil and what Neil says? Because they didn't always tell you the same thing, right? It could get confusing. And I imagine the church that was trying to grow, House Church A, was really hearing what Apollo said, and House Church B was hearing what Paul said, and it could get confusing. But what frustrated Paul in this letter was they were missing the big picture, right? Apollos doesn't make us grow, right? Apollos isn't the one that changes hearts. Apollos isn't the one who activates the Holy Spirit. And Paul's not the one who changes hearts. Paul's not the one who makes things grow. Paul doesn't activate the Holy Spirit. That's what God does. And he comes across a little harsh in these letters sometimes. He compares this church to infants who haven't weaned yet. They're early followers, right? They haven't, they haven't grown yet to even be weaned. And then he compares them to like seeds that are just starting to grow. Because just because you're in church, Paul says, does not mean you're opening yourselves up to God working through the Holy Spirit to change you, to help you be spiritually mature people. And just because I'm a pastor wearing a stole doesn't necessarily mean I'm opening myself up to God's work to change me, to make me more and more spiritually mature. Paul's telling us, church, glad you're here today, especially raining. Wow. Being in church and being in worship is about opening ourselves up to the transforming work of the Holy Spirit so that the person we used to be is not the person we're going to be because God wants us to be transformed to be more and more like Jesus. That's our witness. Our witness is made more and more complete as we become more and more like Jesus. As United Methodists, we emphasize being born again and saying yes to Jesus and being forgiven by God's justifying grace thanks to the work of the cross and the power of the, the resurrection. And we also emphasize God does not stop there. We believe God wants our whole hearts, not just part of it, and wants our whole hearts full of God's love and grace that we become sanctified we become people who don't have room for sin because we keep being transformed to be more like Jesus. It's about being spiritually mature. It's about being people who 
can say, I am becoming more and more the person God wants me to be by intentionally taking the time daily, weekly, maybe on spiritual formation retreats, taking that time to have God do that work. And the person doing the work is always God. You heard the letter, right? One person planted and one person watered. But who made things grow? God. God makes things grow. And that's the message I want us to hear today more than anything, to have confidence that God makes things grow in our lives, in our churches, in our communities, in your hearts. One person planted, one person watered, it doesn't matter. I followed a 14-year pastor, great pastor named Pastor Donald, right? And there was somebody before him and somebody before that person and somebody will be after me, right? As pastors, our job is to create a culture, a culture that allows God to do that work and not encumber it. But God does a heavy lifting. You're responsible for your own faith. I, as pastor, am not responsible for your faith. Pastor Jen, as our pastor of discipleship and community engagement, is not responsible for your faith. You are responsible for your faith, especially as adults. If you're a child, you're dependent on your parents to take you, inform you, and teach you. But as adults, you're responsible for your faith. But there's good news in that. You heard the identity Paul gave you. Paul gives us an identity. Last week, Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. Today, Paul says, you are God's field. You're a place, you're that habitat where God does this work. You're this fertile ground that God works in. And also, you are God's building. If you're not a farmer, that's fine. Paul flips. You are God's building, meaning God is building and working on you. That's your identity. That's a word of grace and a word of hope to a church and to churches today that still can get caught in worrying about things and quarreling and disagreeing about things. And it's not the big thing. You know, as human beings, I learned this years ago, I had a human resource director who taught me so much. I was an engineer, right? And so I was very much about data and, and data-driven decisions and problem-solving and math, you know, math always, one and one is always two. I love that, right? But the human resource director in her email, below her name, it always said, human beings are creatures of emotion, not logic. Human beings are creatures of emotion, and we're a bunch of people with emotions who come to church. And I feel like church opens up emotions more than business because we're saying, open up your hearts. Be vulnerable. Let God change you. And when we do that, it brings out this emotion. You know, I, I know I want to be logical all the time, but I'm a person of emotion too. And these churches in Corinth had that emotion, right? They were quarreling, they're disagreeing because they weren't growing in faith. The letter in Corinthians is making that argument. If you 
Open yourself up to God working in your spiritually mature people. Then you don't worry about stuff as much. There was an old argument years ago, right? I had it in the church years ago where there was a big disagreement over the color of what? The carpet. Right? Right? Those are things that can trap us into focusing on this instead of focusing on this and focusing on our community and focusing on the world because we are creatures of emotion, because we're human. And that's why it's important for churches to have really good emphasis on spiritual formation or discipleship. That's the reason the Staff Parish Committee came up with this idea that we worked together on um, after Pastor Helen retired, right? And the idea was um, we want to really want to have a person whose title, right, is pastor of discipleship. Not that Pastor Helen did not do discipleship. She sure did. I saw her office, right? She had a big map about discipleship. But we want to name it. We want to name that. And one of our emphasis this year, we have four emphasis we're going to talk about next week in worship that came out of our budget, was an emphasis on discipleship opportunities. Pastor Jen is pastor of discipleship and community engagement. She has been charged by the Staff Parish Committee and Admin Council to provide more and more opportunities for people to connect. But all she can do and all I can do and all we can do is offer opportunities. Folks have to engage because you're responsible for your faith. We love you, we care for you, we pray for you, we encourage you as your pastors. And you have to say yes to God's means of grace working. We want you to grow in faith and be spiritually mature people. I'm still working on it. I am, you know, people in high school would say, that guy's a pastor, <laughs> right? I'm not the person I was back then, thankfully. I'm not the person I was in college. I'm not the person I was when I was 30. God keeps moving away these places of sin and these places of immaturity and replacing it by the Holy Spirit with more and more the person God wants me to be. I bet many of you could give that same testimony or witness. I bet many of you can say, I'm not the person I was 10 years ago or 20 years ago because not only of what I've experienced in life, because of what God has done in my heart. How God has transformed me. How God made me grow in this fertile field and make me more like Jesus. When you have that as a church, then our focus moves to new life, right? New life, new missions, new opportunities, new hopes. When we're focused on that, we, we don't worry about the color of the carpet, right? We don't worry about that. That's okay. We want to have good carpet, right? We don't worry about that. We worry about how are people feeling God's love today at Wake Forest UMC? How are people experiencing God's grace in our community? How are people hearing the good news about Jesus in words and actions? How can we help? More and more people know that God loves and cares for them. And how do we help people who've given up on church 
No, they should not give up on church. How do we make a difference in our neighborhoods? How do you be a witness at your job so that at work you can show and model your faith? There's tons of things that transform us. You're here today and you're watching online or maybe you listen to the podcast, right? We have this much time, right? An hour each week in worship, in corporate worship. But I haven't done the math. Um, Alan, you might can help me. And this week you have a lot more hours where you can be formed and shaped by something. I wonder what forms and shapes you? Where do you get your identity? There's things you can read. There's tons of news you can watch. There's tons of articles out there. There's tons of group you can be part of. We'd love for you to be part of a spiritual formation group at this church. We'd love for you to find a community here. Maybe it's a covenant discipleship group even. A place where you can share and be vulnerable and not be judged. A place where people want to pray for you and help you grow. A small group that doesn't gossip or share things. But a place where you're all focused on becoming more and more like Jesus. It takes work. It takes time. As a pastor, I can fall into the trap of only doing things for church. Because as there's several former pastors here, when you get home on Sunday night, what's the next thing you think about? Sermon next Sunday. And I'm sure at your jobs, you know, Sunday night, you're probably thinking about your Monday morning. That's the next thing that's about to happen. So I have to take time to do my own spiritual formation that has nothing to do with what I preach or teach. I got to do my own thing. Because if not, I have no integrity and I can't lead. I can only lead where I go. I encourage you as you study and pray scripture, don't just be intellectual and think, I want to know what this means, right? That's okay. But I want to ask a different question. How does this scripture change me? What is God's revelation through the Holy Spirit to change me today to make me more and more like Jesus? Not what can I figure out and say, this is what it means, I think. And I'm glad I know that intellectually, spiritually, in my heart. How does this word today change me? So when I walk out those doors and get in my car, I'll go to the, hopefully go to the fundraiser, the Super Bowl fundraiser. How does today give a revelation so that when I leave today, I heard something, a seed was planted by the Holy Spirit that God is growing. Because I believe that when we open ourselves up, God makes things grow and will give you new life, new purpose, and new missions.